You're listening to episode 217, Entrepreneurship with Sean Castrina. What I think people need to understand is greatness happens in the 41st hour. And what I mean by that is in most cases, we work a 40-hour job, and that's mm. okay. But what, what do you do in an hour 41 to, to prepare yourself maybe to own a business? See, what I would tell a person is keep your day job, but in the evening on a weekend, start beta testing an idea to see if there's some traction there. Yeah. Forfeit your, 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 your pay and hire a, a key employee that can lead the that can you know take the brunt of the hours while you set the direction this is the dance of life my name is tutor alexander and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind body and soul for living your best life yet tune in every week to learn something new grow and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment and if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show, inspirational quote by Seth Godin. There's no shortage of remarkable ideas. What's missing is the will to execute them. Great quote today from a great author and a great entrepreneur. If you ever read any of Seth Godin's work, he's got some really good stuff out there. Check him out. It reminds me of another quote by Les Brown about the graveyard being the richest place on earth, you know, because so many people die without really expressing their dreams. And so it's a, it's like a landfill of spiritual unresolved goals, which is pretty depressing, but it's true. You know, it's, it's true. In the end, it's really about taking action while you're here to play because time only moves in one direction. And the goal is really about getting as much out of who you are inside out into the world. And that's, that's really the journey of entrepreneurism as I see it. It's really about seeing something in the world that you want to change, that uh, strikes your heart chords, and that you want to bring out into the world with others and share with them. So today, my inspiring guest, Sean Castrina, he has a lot of experience in that area. He's a best-selling author of Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success, and also the fictional tale, The Greatest Entrepreneur in the World. Uh, his new release is The World's Greatest Business Plan. It's written for those who cannot afford to fail. Sean is an active entrepreneur and CEO, having started more than 20 companies in the last 25 years. He is guest lectured on entrepreneurship at some of America's finest colleges. He hosts The 10-Minute Entrepreneur, a top 10 business podcast on iTunes. He has a large social media following and is verified on Facebook and Instagram, and he's shared the stage with Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, John Gordon, and many others. So I'm super excited to have him on the show today to pick his brain about entrepreneurism. If you want to stay in touch with him, it's Sean Castrina on all social media platform. Uh, I'll put his information on the show notes for this episode, but you can get a free book, The Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success at seancastrina.com. Com. And again, all this information will be on the show notes post for this episode. Very excited to have Sean on the show. We're going to pick his brain about what it takes to be successful in business from attitude to knowing your numbers and setting up your proper systems. If you own a business, if you have a side hustle, 
or you're thinking about making the leap into self-employment, this episode may be for you. There's going to be a lot of great golden nuggets here. If you know anybody in that same boat, uh, then share this episode with them. You know, you never know. It might just motivate them, give them a little push in the right direction. And so I'm super excited to have Sean on the show. Let's jump into it. Entrepreneurship with Sean Castrino. kick it off and ask me any question you want. I'm a good dance partner. Nice, buddy. I love I love that you use dance partner. That's that's what it's all about. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about it is. I, I've done a hundred you know, hundred of these and <laughs> it, it, we, we'll be, we will go. It'll be good. It'll be fun. And your audience will get great value. Awesome. Well, listen, I mean, well, let's get right to it. You wrote yeah. some pretty awesome books. You wrote The, uh, the Greatest Entrepreneur, uh, The Eight Unbreakable Rules. I want to jump into those. But yeah. what got you into the path you're doing today? I mean, were you always like since you, were you one of those kids with the lemonade yeah. are we, stand? Is this part of the podcast right now or is this yeah. the pre-interview? Yeah, okay, we're, we're in there. Right. We're in there. We're knee deep in it. Nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I was taking the traditional path in that, you know, in, in my generation, let's say 50 years old. Back then, you, you got an education. You know, the, what differentiated people in our generation was you had people that didn't have a college degree. At the time, if you got a college degree, that was a big deal. So I, I got a college degree. And I was in grad school, actually one class away from a master's degree, married, had bought my first home, had a new child. I mean, I had the typical, you know, Norman Rockwell thing going. And then I got let go pretty much overnight in a um, leadership change. Wow. And I knew then like literally my entire paradigm changed. And I'm like, you don't have job security. I mean, because I I mean, to be frank, I was good at what I did. Yeah. Up until then, I would have never even imagined. I'm I, to give you an example. The person that I worked directly with and for, I had breakfast with this morning, thirty almost twenty, geez, twenty five years later. Wow. So he and I both are like, you know, like what the heck happened? You know, it's just one of those crazy, crazy situations because he's the one who kind of recruited me to to come there. And so when that got tore down, you just, you got to go, all right, there's got to be a different way of doing this. And I knew then that I would own my own business that I, I at least, if we're going to, if we're going to run the ship into the iceberg, I want to at least be steering it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I want to see and go, okay, you know, we're three days out, you know, something happening completely overnight is just unbelievable. And the thing is, is that, you know, I have a lot of business partners that work with me now and they all went through something very similar. They either got you know, over 55 and they could see the writing on the wall or their income got over six figures. So they were trying tax to hell 65,000, you know? So, yeah. So, you know, I've been, you know, working with people for, you know, 20 some years that have been phased out. Yeah. And to me, you know, unless you're a school teacher, you know, a nurse, medical profession, I mean, there's an engineer in, you know, there's some jobs that, yeah, it's employment is a great way to go. But for, you know, for say for about 50% of the others, you know, entrepreneurship is something you might want to give a glance to. What do you think? I mean, with people that are afraid to make that first step, or let's say they're, they're right before this event in their life where, you yeah. know, something goes up and they're like, all right, I see the writing on the wall. The people that are right before that event where, they're living in this state of incongruence, you know, where, where you're waking up and you, you just, you know that what you're doing is not in alignment with who you are, but you haven't gotten to the point of, you know, taking that, that leap. What advice do you have for them? 
one, I, I'm just big on do taking a proactive step that doesn't, you know, burn all the bridges. Yeah. I'm not a big believer in you quit your job and come home and, you know, and all that nonsense that unless you live, you know, with your parents or you live on your buddy's couch, that, that scenario really doesn't work well. What I think people need to understand is greatness happens in the 41st hour. And what I mean by that is in most cases we work a 40 hour job and that's Mm. okay. But what what do you do in an hour 41 to, to prepare yourself maybe to own a business? See, what I would tell a person is keep your day job. But in the evening on a weekend, start beta testing an idea to see if there's some traction there. Yeah. Forfeit your, 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 your pay and hire a, a key employee that can lead the, that can, you know, take the brunt of the hours while you set the direction. You know, you can, I've started all my companies that way. So, you know, you don't have to be granular, a part of every little detail of the company. Um, so I don't, and, and I don't think you need to quit your day job. I think you just need to find a profitable idea. You need to take action on it in a small way to get proof of concept. Start that out as a passive, you know, you know, business. And then, you know, if it's something you fall in love with, you may want to leave to do it, or you may want to rinse and repeat is what I've done. You know, for years I've had passive companies that, you know, I own eight, well, nine companies but I don't spend more than four hours on any one of them in a given wow. week. What, what part of the market are they in? What kind of business? Yeah, I own I own eight in a home service market, which is funny because I can't build a birdhouse. But that, that's <laughs> I think that's another thing. And you were kind of talking about congruent. I'm going to kind of crush this whole passion idea. This is going to go counterintuitive to what everybody's ever been told. Yeah. Let's redefine passion for a second because passion is an entrepreneur's mistress. Yeah. It's not, you don't always have the luxury of being able to make money in your passion. I love golf. It doesn't mean I go buy a driving range. Yeah. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? I mean, I love lifting weights and exercise. It doesn't mean I buy, I, I'd buy a gym business right now. Yeah. So what you need to find what you are passionate about and see where that kind of fits into the whole business thing. An example, if I look at my passions, I love getting things off the ground. I love, you know, coming up with the idea. I love branding. I love getting the, recruiting the team, everything about that. I love, I don't care if we're selling toilets. The, The actual part of the business doesn't make a difference to me. If there's customers who want it, I'm all in. Yeah. All the, the other ancillary parts of that really turned me on. S- next, I, I love having flexibility of schedule. So I've never missed a school event for my kids. So that's my kids I'm passionate about. I've yeah. never missed anything, nothing. I have been to every single thing that ever mattered. And so that is important to me. I'm passionate about giving money away. Man, I have fed, clothed, and educated you know, kids all over the world that is a passion. So, you know, I think we look at passion sometimes and we think that the business got to be totally aligned with that. And, and I don't necessarily think, you know, like Jeff Bezos, perfect example, that was a profitable business. Now, later he aligns it in that they're going to try to do everything with electric cars and thing. you know, they need to figure out how to stop using boxes that you can put six kids in. Yeah. That might lower their footprint, but that's on another note. But the idea is that, you know, you start a business that's profitable. And it's not necessarily your passion. And, and yeah. I think that's where people, they, 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 that's where they, they get trapped on two parts of the idea. They either think they, it has to parallel their passion or they think it's got to be this 
so great of an idea. No, it has to be a profitable idea. That's it. One thing, your idea has to have one, one quality. Is it profitable? Which means there's a, a massive amount of customers who want what you're selling and are willing to pay the price at the margin you have to make money. There it is in a very short little package. No, I think that's good, especially uh, nowadays. It's so easy to bring a business to market with with how many resources we have on our phones, on the internet, on being able to get capital on Kickstarter. I mean, it's like it's unbelievable, really. You can you can yeah, start it's never something, been easier. Never been easier. And the, the I guess the dark side of that to me is though, <clears throat> you know, like. I'm really into health and supplements and all that kind of stuff. So I'm always scrutinizing all these things on my Facebook feed. <laughs> yeah. The latest uh, trend with some hot model looking off in the distance, looking all successful. And it's like, oh yeah, this, this new pill, this is it. You know, it's like, it's so easy to bring something to market, but the dark side of that is, um, you know, the, the, there's an element of trust that is sort of missing because it's so easy. Like things can pop up like a, like a mold, you know, any, any point in time. So how do people, you know, like it is easy to create a business and how do you create trust? Cause to me, trust is really the economy of the future. How, whatever happens with all this social media stuff. Sadly, you can, you can, you can buy and create trust. Now, whether you keep <laughs> it, now, whether you keep yeah, it, well, let me give you an it. example. I started a construction company. It was a handyman company 21 years ago. I owned a magazine in, in 23 cities, and I was trying to convert my dining room into an office. We, had a, yeah. we just had another child, and I, I was tired of looking at a chandelier and, and wainscoting. So I just want, that's all I wanted was something to look like an actual office. It was like trying to find a one eyed leprechaun to do that job. So I started asking my buddies, nobody knew anybody could do it. And I realized, okay, this could be a great business. Now understand, I cannot assemble a three piece birdhouse. I have one tool set that was given to me 30 years ago when I got married. I don't know the difference between two screwdrivers. So I start this company while I have another business. So I do my, my, you know, my, the, what I've told you, I do it part-time hire people, whatever the case may be five weeks into it. We had 54 phone calls in one week. So I knew I'd hit the Holy wow. grail of business. I knew that I, I, that like I home remodeling or yeah. Yeah. And no, this was just handyman, the very basic handyman stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just wow. very basics. Now we do, we do everything. Um, but this is where the kind of the story, you know, kind of, in other words, for one, that's not a sexy business, but this is back to what you said. Like, how do you create credibility? I knew nothing about construction. How did I make my business look credible? This yeah. is what I did. Number one is I joined the better business bureau right away. Okay. BBB. It, that, that just that little thing gives you, you know, a little bit of credit. Now we're an A plus rated company, yeah. but that does it. Typically every industry has some trade groups you can join. Mm -hmm. Join one, get their little logo next to it. Next, pre-serve whatever you're selling and get testimonials. Yes. Even if you're there, your friends and your family. So you can create an illusion and it won't last forever, but it's enough to get you down the runway. And yeah. that's what I did. I had testimonials right, you know, right from the get-go. I'd serve some neighbors, some friends. We yeah. did a TV commercial pre-launch you know, of a person we did um, services for. I had like an elderly gentleman get out of the vehicle. Yeah, yeah. He estimate real friendly looking, you know, and, and we just, so you can create the illusion. Now, again, you know, it, I'm not trying to be deceptive, but that's just what you have to do. Yeah. Now, we, we planned on delivering everything we've charged for and 21 years later, we, we have an A plus rating and we do, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars, but you can create that 
that illusion. The other thing is you can do is like mailbox, et cetera. I've done that before where you can buy a local address. Mm. So you can make your next, another thing that I always do. I never use, never use answering services. Hmm. In other words, I, if we service a little bit of a country community, I get somebody with a twang in their voice. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, foreign delegating it to some. Right. So uh, you can, you can come across credible when they just call. Yeah. Well, Miss Susie, it's so good to have you on the phone here. What can we do for you? We, we look forward to serving. It's different than an answering service. This is, you know, it's different. So you can create credibility and trust if you just, you know, just kind of dot your eyes and think through what you would want. You know, always reverse engineer a business back from the perfect customer experience. That was free. But that's probably the best, some of the best advice you're ever going to get. You want to build a successful company, reverse engineer it back for every single thing that can go wrong, might go wrong. What would, what would it look like? That's the one thing I've always done with my, my companies, even like the handyman company. I wanted you to get an estimate within 24 hours. The estimate, you know, I wanted somebody to, when they started the job, they stayed until they finished. That was the one thing that drove me crazy. People would start a job and they never finish. Oh yeah. You know, construction's <laughs> famous for that. Yeah. The other thing is getting a big deposit before they start. There's no incentive to do it. So I, I did all the little things that bothered me and changed it. Hmm. You know, we're going to get paid when we're going to get a very small deposit. We're going to get paid when we finish. We're going to charge no material markup. That was like a neat little thing I came up with. I just did it that way. We didn't have to run the lows and figure out perfect estimates. Yeah. So that I did that for speed. It ended up being a great value proposition. So, hmm. you you know, but what I'm, my point is, I don't know anything about construction, but I sat down and go, what would the perfect handyman experience look like to me? Somebody hmm. comes to my door, doesn't look like a damn serial killer. Okay. Yeah. He's got a uniform on. Looks like somebody that would be a coach of my kid's ball team. So now think about that. That means when I'm hiring, I have a higher standard. Yeah. So when I interview people and they look like us, you know, I'm sorry, I don't hire them. Yeah. Okay. So I hire people that I, and then I started my TV commercial. This is what I said. I would never send anybody to your home that I wouldn't allow to work in mine. And then at the end of the commercial, I showed my family. You, know, you see two little children, wife. Yeah. So now, I just started a company that I knew nothing about working inside people's houses. And I'm telling you, we, we came across credible and trustworthy from day one. Now, I, I just shared with you everything I did. Your business, you can do the same thing. You just got to spend some time thinking about it. Yeah. That's what it's all about, man. It's, uh, it's about those relationships. It's so funny you mentioned that because literally right now, my parents are doing a, a home renovation type thing in their in their house and the contractor they got this guy's a total scam man he's a total con like completely no integrity at all like literally every day there's some new there's person an there's an add-on oh, there's some other guy yeah. from craigslist that he's yeah. recruiting and i think he's doing a bunch of these jobs and just taking the money they and, try to they get the deposit oh my and that's God. why i, I joke about it <laughs> i have made well, that I'm sitting in an 8,900 square foot house right now with 10 bathrooms because wow. other people don't do what they say they could do. Now I've owned, I own lots of other companies, but my point is, is that I knew that there was a marketplace for people who wanted it done right. Yeah, for and sure. And my customers, Big I'll one. give you a simple example. This will blow you away, but as lives of my children, this is true, and I can actually pull the text up and show it to you. I had a customer a year ago, about two years ago, give my painter a $9,000 tip. Now it was an accident. I drew the 
the the the dollar sign thing and she she was an older lady and took it as as a nine and it was it was really 153 dollars she owed us for some material and i said to her i laughed i said clearly you you know you, you read the thing wrong but i need to rip your check up she said sean the job your guys did was so good i just assumed it was what i owed she goes and wow. i would have paid it and she goes and i would have paid him i said <laughs> you know i appreciate that but we're gonna rip it up and we're just gonna you just need oh it's 153 dollars but my point is, is that I wow. like I had a client recently that paid us two thousand dollars for something fifteen years ago. Wow! That took probably forty minutes to do that transaction. When I look like, I personally went and looked at something uh, two weeks ago. I they just spent two hundred and forty thousand dollars with us on renovations. In other words, the wow. same amount of time that took us two thousand dollars fifteen years ago. 15 years later, because we've built so much trust, so much equity, like people don't even, they're like, no, there's only one company to hire. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Sean, it's like, here, listen, we got it. We got an equity line for $240,000, you know, do whatever. We love that's your a, company. Do, that's do whatever. That's amazing, man. I mean, it's, that really speaks to the power of integrity though, because I think in business, especially now as we are getting more interconnected and you have the ability to communicate faster the, I mean, whatever, I don't think there'll be a social credit system necessarily like it is in China, but I do think that you will see a lot more integrity in business because the market will force it, you know, with, with how people with the, you're, you're exposed too fast. Like I, well, yeah. that's funny. I have somebody like post something negative about our company. I'm combative. I'll yeah. go right on there. I said, let me share with you in this contract, this customer did a lot of add-ons. And then when the bill came due, this customer had a case of alligator arms. That's literally <laughs> what I wrote. I go, and they, I would recommend them finding their next contractor on Craigslist because we all know my company's called Advantage. Advantage is not the least expensive in town. You know, I'm out of like a son of a gun. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I'll, I'll put in it. They say something. I said, this is an example of a customer who thought a lot of things were included that were not listed in the contract. They did not pay for any of those thoughts. Yeah. Okay. So I, I can't, I can't help Miss Smith here thought I would encourage her to read the contract and I'd be happy to post the contract online. If she would like me to, they'll pull it down. I'll tell a customer, they say something to me. I go, listen, I'm just telling you, I'm the wrong cat. I say, cause I will copy and paste your contract. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, with people that are having a business and they're, they're trying to, let's say scale it and grow and get to that point where you are now, you know, many years later, with this particular one, let's say with the construction one, there is the, that second component of how do you maintain trust? And and in the specific question I have for you is how, what are some of the things that you've seen are some of the biggest mistakes that people make where they break trust? Maybe not even the big obvious ones because those are obvious, but maybe, you know, the, the subtler ones, the little ones that add up that are less obvious and that people don't really understand that they're breaking trust when they're doing them. Yeah. I mean, number one is that, you you do, typically you don't intend to break trust, but you have bad systems in place. Yeah. So things fall. I learned this when I hired partners. I am fanatical. Like we do surveys with every customer, and 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 I actually have an older lady who does handwritten letters envelopes wow. to all my clients. Now the letter is typed out and signed by me, but we do envelopes that are handwritten because we know that people are more likely to open them. But the point is, I told my my when I bring on a new partner, we'll have a customer service issue. And I'll, my staff will tell me, and I try to see how that person's going to handle it. And they always crap the bed without fail. And I say to them, I said, you know, you intend well, like you said, well, I was going to get to that. I know, I know, I'm sure you were going to get to it, but the customer doesn't know that. Yeah. 
So I'm going to create a system in place right now. This is where I go back to perfect customer experience and I'm the ambassador of the brand. We're never going to have this happen again. I'll give you an example. I said to Tony who runs my the handyman division now and I got six of these Tonys, but this is the rule for all of them. When a, when a complaint is brought to you, you call the customer, send an email, you get confirmation with them that you are aware that there is a problem and you do it within yeah. 24 hours. 24 hours. You also share with them within 48 hours, you will personally look at it, that you will get your eyes on it. Now, you have five days from the time you look at it to solve that problem. If you can't solve it within five days, I better know about it because then I'm going to get involved. And it only happens like once a year where I got to bring in some high level, you know, I got to bring in the superstars to put the bed, you know, put, put it to bed. But you got to create systems. We don't intend to fail, but what happens is we go by the memory system or we put people on the back burner and yeah. things like that. I just, my job is to create systems so that customers don't get disappointed. And so that one little example that I gave you, you know, we service, you know, 2000 people a year. Wow. So things are going to happen, but how do we avoid it? Well, that's a simple, Tony gets a complaint. He knows what to do. I better get, I, I need to give him a call. Yeah. On my way home, I need to stop by and get my eyes on that or on my way in tomorrow. You, you know what I'm saying? He knows, he knows yeah. Sean, it's 24 hours. I better call him 48. I better get my eyes on it. I got five days to solve it. It's a simple system. So I, I just tell people is that create systems that allow you to deliver on what you're promising. We fail in trust because we don't deliver what we said we would. I mean, yeah. that's trust in a, in a nutshell. You, you don't give the customer or they don't perceive that you gave them what they paid for. That is the breakdown in trust in, in business. That's, that's amazing, man. I mean, the systems are such a big piece of the puzzle now too, especially as we want to scale and grow and, and serve more people around us. I think having a great system is everything. And, and it's like, especially with some of the things though, as an entrepreneur, I think it's, especially let's put it this way as, as a one person's, you know, kind of setup where you're starting a business and that's very common these days, you can get a little overwhelmed. So there's sort of this you know, at some point you have to delegate, right? You have to delegate certain things that you don't like. Like I like certain things, you know, like I like designing. I've always been a designer. Yeah. So I design all my stuff and I haven't gotten to the point where I need to delegate that necessarily. But like Facebook ads, I can't stand Facebook. As soon as I open up Facebook, I just, it just like spiritually doesn't resonate with me at all. So it's like- I say anybody, any, if you can pay anybody $40 an hour as a startup or less, because I think when you get up in the 50 an hour, that's, you know, that's decent money for that's about a hundred thousand a year. So I think yeah. that's where you can, you know, however, but $40 and down you delegate. I joke, I delegate a bowel movement. If I thought, <laughs> but my point is that I, my day, my week is like, if you've ever played rummy cube or rummy, you try to get rid rummy of your cube. cards. You try to get rid of your tiles. Yeah. I love rummy cube. You try to get rid of your tiles. That's yeah. how I structure my day. Hmm. I start the morning off. I got nine tiles in front of me. I want to get seven of those in the hands of somebody who can do it better than me, faster than me, cheaper than me. Yeah. Why? So I can do the few things that my team generally knows that I'm, I got superpowers at. There's a few things that they know, man, just leave Sean alone. Let him stay in that zone. And as an entrepreneur, your tendency is to want to do everything. And you're going to do that the first year. I'm not going to deny it. you're going to get involved, but the sooner you can start hiring people to do tasks that you don't, not only you don't like, you don't do them well, and you can pay somebody a modest amount to have them do that, do that. You, you've got to do that. 
how mean, do you, it's just that that's just good business. How do you, I mean, how do you personally, when you, when you hire somebody, cause the, the thing about hiring and delegating is you're trying to, at least to some extent, transpose who you are, why you do what you do, what you do into another person's mind and consciousness and behavior. And, you know, you can hire somebody based on skill, but if the, if the why isn't there, then, you know, you're, you're going to be shit out of luck a couple miles down the road. So when you personally look for somebody to, to be part of your company and to hire and to, to do a task, what's your process to, to basically vet that person? Obviously the skill part's obvious, but I'm looking more for like, okay, how do you know this person's a good fit? How do you ensure that even when you post or structure your invitation for somebody to come into your company, that you do it in such a way that you don't waste time on interviewing people who may be, you know, qualified based on skill, but they're just not like spiritually, emotionally, mentally. Well, let, let me let you on a secret. Let, one, I'm going to let you on a secret. So, unfortunately, we don't have the right to decide. It sounds good in theory, the spiritual part. Yeah. It sounds good in theory. It's not reality. Yeah. In other words, it's a hard, it's hard in an interview process to get that vibe. So I always say that everybody wants to have this little perfect little, um, you know, Himalayan retreat. And yeah. it's just, it's not reality. So first thing is, like I, I know who I'd feel comfortable with. I, I can't staff myself with that. that that's just the, the reality. And you can't do it to a, to a large scale, but you can still staff yourself with talented people that you trust. And that's all I'm asking for. I want talented people that I trust. Everything other than that is a bonus. Yeah. Okay. I don't curse. But my partners will drop a few underneath their belt. They don't walk around the office dropping F-bombs. But so they understand the culture that I would prefer to have. They, they understand that. Yeah. But, you know, but they're, they're adults. You know, if they want to go in a quick little tirade under their breath, I'm not going to give them a speech. But the point is that regarding talent, you can hire talent. In other words, talent is, is obvious. Yeah. And, and, and in other words, I told my partners, you can't hire a seven. This will make your hiring a lot better. The problem is we typically hire sevens. Like when we rate them, they're like, yeah, they're okay. They're, you know, we're optimistic. A seven is a six. It's always ends up being a six. It's somebody who does the job. Okay. But never moves the needle. Yeah. Well, if they're opening your doors in the morning and that's their only job. Okay. Maybe we can get away with a six there, but you want to hire people that move the needle. And you, so you gotta just, when you start hiring, look for eights and nines. You know, if you get a 10, congratulations. But the point is that it's the, you got to hire talented people. That is there. That is like the most critical thing you can do as a founder is hire exceptionally talented people. And the way that I do that, a couple secrets. One is when I run an ad for somebody, like if I'm trying to hire Santa Claus, I say, I, I want a fat guy with a real beard who likes red velvet and hangs out with reindeers. I don't beat around the bush. Yeah. In other words, it, what you want an employee, list it, bullet point it. I'm telling you, as crazy as ridiculous. I want somebody who does this, this, and that. I want somebody like that. Write it out. It allows you to fire them quick if they don't, because you can say, listen, even in my ad, this is what I told you I wanted. Yeah, you when you do the 30 day review, come on, I, let's be honest. I went over this with you. And when I'm interviewing people, I read back over what I'm looking for and I tell them, you can do these, right? Yes. I go, listen, it's important that you can do this because if you can't, I will find out and I will let you go. I mean, you need to understand. I will let you, the, the minute I know that you're incapable of doing a job that I am paying you for, 
it doesn't last. It's over. It's going to happen like, like that because they know I'm going to find out. So I think, you know, write your ads in a way that, you know, tells people clearly what it is you want. Number two is stress it in the interview. And now most important, number three is pay real money. You, yeah. you, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. <laughs> so one thing or I elephants, learned, right? Or yeah, elephants. Yeah, there you go, or elephants. Um, <laughs> but the point is, is that you, you're not get, you're going to have to pay some money and people say, well, how can you afford it? You're going to have to figure something out. You either got to put some profit sharing in there. You got to take less money yourself. I've figured it out over 20 years, but to get really talented people that move the needle and they're worth it. This is the other thing that I've learned. Talented people, you never overpay for. Never. It's the person that's not talented. That's the person that costs you the money. That's the person that you're always looking over to see what they're doing. That's the person you always got to send somebody behind them to help them. That's the person that you're, that's going to, you know, quit every year anyway, because they know they're not even good at what they do. They're not even confident working for you for crying out loud. Yeah. So, you know, hire talented people. You know, I, I, I love extraordinarily talented people is, is the needle mover in a small business. And that's the biggest mistake. That's probably the biggest mistake small business owners make initially to hire family and friends and, or people for the least amount possible. And they end up having a team that just can't win. There's just not enough talent in the building. How do you, um, cause the the interesting thing that comes up to me is, I I mean, I agree with you hundred percent, but let's say you have, you know, a lot of talented people. How do you keep the I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the team mentality in, especially if you have really successful, talented people, most of those people are usually very individualized. You know, they're, you're not going to have a super, you're going to have, what I always say is not everybody plays well in the sandbox. Yeah. And you got to understand that. I know the temperament, like I have, I I, kind of lay them out. You got your MVPs. Yeah. They're the people that literally make you the most amount of money. Okay. They move the needle extraordinarily talented, but then you got somebody right below an MVP. It's called a mercenary and you're going to have them. They don't play in the sandbox well with others. Okay. You're not even sure if they're going to be with you forever, right? but they're great at what they do. And for every day they work for you, they make you money and they're really talented. I like that. Yeah. They're a mercenary. You don't know how loyal they are. You don't don't know know their allegiance. Right. All you know is you'd rather have them on your team than the other team. Right, That's right. how you That's know. Good. That's the easiest way to find out is that if they went to your competition, you would not be happy about it. And that's called a mercenary. Hmm. So you're going to have people like that. And, and they, they don't all play well together. You got to kind of move the mercenary and find out, you know, when I have a mercenary, I ask the mercenary who he wants to work with or who she wants to work with. I let them know, listen, I, I have one guy like that with me. I go, Robbie, you know, I love you, buddy, but you got sharp elbows. <laughs> okay. You know it and I know it and I'm fine with that. So tell me who I can put with you that you can work with. And he told me, I like a person who works hard, will listen to me, doesn't ask a lot of questions, whatever. Well, I hired exactly what he wanted. And it yeah. took me a little bit of time to get that perfect person. But I, I don't try to assume that he's going to play well with everybody. I know he doesn't. So I, I don't put him in the sandbox with six people close to him. Yeah. Because somebody's coming out with black eyes and it ain't him. <laughs> so, you know, you see, got to, you got to kind of dance with the team. You got to play with the team you bring to the table, but you're yeah. going to need a few mercenaries, like a programmer. Yeah. You know, there are certain people, a salesperson who's just unbelievable. Yeah. These are people that move the needle and they may be mercenaries hmm. and they're on your team and, and you got to work with them. What do you think your biggest, 
lesson in business has been in the last 20 years from everything that you've done partnering partnering partnering. no not even hard stuff man partnership is it is but one plus one in my in my world is one plus one equals done yeah you put me with the right person somebody who's lots of energy really smart understands the industry we're going into and i will we we will build a successful company together i'm good at I'm good at getting it off the ground, creating systems. Yeah. I'm good at mentoring somebody who's bright and who'll learn from me. So I do that really, really well. But partnering has been like the what has moved the needle further for me than any anything is that the idea of I go, I don't care about an idea. Ideas are a dime a dozen. They really are. Yeah. It's who can I partner with to make the execution of the idea? Yeah. That's the super. So the biggest thing that I tell people is, is that you, listen, you can do a great partnership agreement. I'll give you a partnership when you do partnership agreement. This is how you do it. I don't care if you go to an attorney or you just sit down and type it out. Get it notarized, but this is what you put in it. Number one, anybody leaves in the first five years, they don't get bought out. So they don't, you know, they don't get bored three years into it and you got to give them a chunk of money. They yeah. leave in the first five years, they're out. They don't yeah. get a dime. Number they and they can't sell their stock either. Okay. It all the stock relinquishes back to you. They can't sell it because what happens is they leave and they sell it to somebody you don't want to work with. This yeah. it, that piece of advice I'm giving you right now will save you more aggravation than any other thing. It'll make you know you got a loyal partner. Number two is make sure the responsibilities that each of you hold are in the agreement. And if they are not being met, the profit from that person's share goes to pay for somebody to do it. Wow. Nice. Okay. That's a key ingredient in your, in your partnership agreement. Cause if the guy, let's say, you know, she's the salesperson and she's supposed to be so good at it, but she's not good at it. And you got to hire another salesperson or this person takes up golf yeah, and they they're pay spending for it. four days a week <laughs> you're, and there's exactly. So they're the two that's that I good. have found, you know, I've done lots of partnerships, but those two will save you a great deal of aggravation, but no buyouts in five years. That's, that's good. That's probably the best piece of uh, I learned that in a very expensive way. That one right there, that, that was a, that was a really expensive one that I just gave you there. That's a it's, six figure mistake. It's crazy. I mean, partnerships are so important. And I think that, uh, so many, so many people, so few people know how to use them or be in them, you know, in a productive, creative manner, but you're right. If, if they are in alignment, then you can get anything done. What do you think are the most common mistakes that people make with partnerships in business? they don't do an agreement. They, uh, they partner for one that they don't do an, a clear written agreement yeah. for if it goes sour. Number two is they don't know why they partnered with the person in the first place. And that when you start splitting a lot of money or you go through a lot of stress, you want to know why the person's a partner. And I'm going to give yeah. you another partnership 101. You partner with people because it's like an algebra problem. A plus B equals C. Okay. A is you. B is them. C is a successful company. You've got to make sure that without them, it could not be a successful company. You've got to believe that in your being. Mm. You got to find out what do they bring to the table? They either bring time to the table that you don't have. That's why I partner. They bring expertise to the table that you do not have. I use that. They could fulfill a role in the company that you can't, or you'd pay a lot of money for. Might be a programmer, you know, patent, you know, an attorney, or whatever, whatever the case may be. Maybe a marketing person, salesperson. They fill a role that is apt, very critical, and very expensive. Okay, they bring capital to the table. 
money that you don't have. Okay, so that's a critical part of the equation. They bring a leveraged Rolodex. They have incredible context. Got to be careful in those, but they work. That they can. That's a Shark Tank deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, Shark Tanks. It's not just the money that they bring. It's it's who they can connect people to. Yeah. So they're typically the five reasons why you you need to partner. But the biggest reason is you got they they got to move the they got to be a critical part of the equation. Without them, you can go to bed every night going now the the company would have never been as successful as it is. I know deep down in my being. That without so and so, we would not have had a company at this level. Well, you have those two other books, man. Let's chat really quick about those because I'm really curious. I haven't read them yet, but I I do intend. Yeah, we're going to chat do. really quick about. It. We're going to do a quick one about these. All right, all right. I'll I'm tell you what. You so you got eight unbreakable rules and seven pillars. So which one you want to you want to break down for us? Uh, let's go through the Let's go through the eight unbreakable rules real quick. Okay, let's do it. All right. Let me tell you my, it's too funny. I go through these all the time and I always kind of have like a brain fart. All right. (laughs) Eight unbreakable rules. Let me run through them really quick. First is know why you want to be an entrepreneur in the first place. Yeah. Because it's got a high probability of failure. It's an uphill. It's like going up a roller coaster. You need to be motivated by that. Why? I knew that I wanted to control my own destiny, control my income, control my schedule. So I had a big why. So when things got tough, I knew why I did it. Yeah. Number two is Again, we talked about a passionate idea. No, you need to have a profitable idea. Qualify your idea. Test it. Make sure there's an audience who wants it. Number three, do a business plan. Plan for success. People go on vacation. They put more time planning their vacation than they do a business plan. And it's just, it doesn't make any sense. You know, do a business plan. I wrote, I believe the best business plan book. It's called the world's greatest business plan. You can actually get it for free. I'm going to give you a little cheat sheet here. If you type in world's greatest business plan.com, do a forward slash free book. You get it for free. So, okay. And it has a tenant in there. Right, you just got an $18 book for free because the digital version is great because you can actually type it out. Nice. All right. So plan for success. Number four, I just talked about it, about partnerships. Protect yourself and your business. This is partnership agreements. This is incorporating. This is trademarking. This is licensing. You know, you got to do the, the use a payroll service. Don't get in tax trouble. So that's important. Number five, I talked about this. You got to build a successful team. Your company is only as good as the people that toil in the building with you. So you you know, Jack Welch, the you know the legendary CEO of General Electric, said, "The best team wins." <laughs> Okay. All right. Next marketing is not optional. What I mean is you're not a word of mouth business. Okay. That doesn't exist. Rolex been around a long time. They still spend a lot of money on advertising. Have you noticed that best watch in the world worn by everybody, but they watch golf on Saturday and Sunday. And they're going to remind you about every hour that they sell a really nice watch. Budweiser. I don't know if you know, but they, they, they sell beer. They're going to spend about $20 million at the Super Bowl to remind you. Okay. So the idea that you don't market, your word of mouth business, that's a huge mistake. Number seven, know your numbers like a savant. Like a savant. I get a spreadsheet at 430 to 445 every single day on all my companies so I can see trends before they become problems. You need yeah. to know, you know, you need to know your PLs, you need to know you know profit and loss, you need to know margins, you need to know what's what's your cost to operate for a day, for a week, for a month. You need to know what your reserves are. All these things, you got to know your numbers. Uh, and then finally, this is so important. You got to be a constant learner. You got to be a, an information sponge, you know, get, get great at the few areas that you're great at. Understand your business, you know, just learn from other people's failures, get mentored. You know, I always say 
failure is best heard through a secondhand story and it's a hell of a lot cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> so if you can get mentored by somebody older, read great books with business, listen to podcasts. I have a podcast every day, the 10 minute entrepreneur podcast, 10 minutes of just quick information, learn, just keep learning. I yeah. think they're the eight unbreakable rules. Awesome, man. That's amazing. It's such a, such a pleasure to, to have you on the show. Final question. What are you most yeah. grateful for right now? Most grateful for right now. Um, I am grateful for my schedule. Yeah. I, it hits me all the time. You know, I can have lunch with my wife. I can hang out with my son. I can do anything I want pretty much. Whenever How old are your kids, I, by the way? My son is 19. You know, it's funny. I got my son, like my daughter's 25, but they still love being around us. So that's kind of a cool that's thing. Good. <laughs> we actually, you know, still eat dinner at the same time every night and, and all great. those good things. So my, I just think that I just love that I can be around the people that I like being around anytime I want to be around them. Yeah. And I make such an, a crazy living that I'm able to take, like tr like I took a limousine to go see a Conor McGregor fight because my son's like, hey, it'd be great to go to Madison Square Garden, like with like one week's notice. You know how hard it is to get Conor McGregor tickets that's, at Madison Square awesome, Garden a week yeah. before? <laughs> right. I got a limousine. We drove there. And 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 so I've been able to do, taking my friends like crazy trips, be, you know, you know, beach houses right on the ocean and yeah. crazy stuff. So I, I'm grateful for what entrepreneurship has provided for me. The yeah. scheduling and, and the income is, I can't, I can't lie. It's been pretty good. Awesome, man. Hey, such a pleasure to have you. I know you're busy. Thank you yeah, for and coming you, on the show. And another thing, you'll get two books. I've only written three, but if you go to my personal site, the eight unbreakable rules that we just talked about, it's on the site for free. So if you go to eight, nice. if you go to seancastrina.com, that book's for free. So you just got two books for free. And if you go to my podcast, the 10 minute entrepreneur podcast, you'll get just what you got today in a, in a 10 minute bite-sized chunk. Awesome. Okay. Cool, buddy. Well, Hey, have an awesome dinner with your family and uh, we'll stay in touch. All right. Thank you so much for letting me be on the podcast. Absolutely. Buddy. We'll see you. Take care. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with my friend, Sean. You know, my goal was to inspire you to take some action today towards what you love. And the key word is today. Life is short, so get to it. Entrepreneurship is the future and starting a business is easier than ever. Starting anything is easier than ever. You can use your phone and voila, it's already there. It's pretty crazy. You know, it's not easy to, uh, it's easy to start, but it's not easy to continue. And this is the key. You know, today, uh, it is easier to start more than ever to take action on your dreams, but you really, you know, it's easy to also get distracted, to get disappointed, to get caught up in the who, what, where, when, and how. And so the key is to remember all the things we talked about in this interview about attitude, about knowing your numbers, about knowing what you can delegate, knowing, you know, your why. All these things are so important. And especially if you like freedom, you know, freedom is the most important thing. If you like freedom, if you like working for yourself, then having a good business, knowing the good business practices, how to be great, how to scale, how to have a partner, how to have employees, how to provide value. All those things are so important. And again, to me, it's a spiritual journey. They all teach you things about yourself in the long run that uh, are priceless that you would never be able to learn working for somebody else. So Sean Castrina, if you want to stay in touch with him, uh, check him out on social media. It's pretty much Sean Castrina everywhere. Uh, make sure you download the free book, Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success. Sean's got a lot of great resources there. It's at seancastrina.com. 
And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode today. Let's not forget our inspirational quote from Seth Godin at the beginning. There's no shortage of remarkable ideas. What's missing is the will to execute them. You know, as creative as an idea as you think you may have, the sad part is that it's probably not entirely unique. But that's okay. The question is, will your idea have a voice? This is very different. Ideas exist in the invisible world of information, but it's up to you. You are here to bring that rea- that idea into reality in your own way. You know, an idea can have many ways that it comes into reality, and this is what we're here for. We're the messengers. We're the deliverers of these ideas that come to us. I, I believe that the greatest ideas find you. You don't find them. But the question is, will you... Give that idea life that has found you. So take some action, leave a legacy, get started. Life is short. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys have an amazing rest of your day. Tune in on Tuesday for a little Transformation Tuesday. We're talking about healing your relationship with money. On Friday, I interview Henry Doss. He's a financial expert and author of FQ, Financial Intelligence. We're going to talk about money management, managing your emotions, gratitude, living in abundance, all kinds of great stuff. You don't want to miss it. Great topic, especially on the piggyback of this one. So make sure you tune in next week. And until then, remember, your life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, Stay connected at danceoflife.com.